0: What are so, what are some of the greatest things about our country today that you recognize and you, and you see people in America maybe take take for granted?
1: The freedom of speech,
0: mm-hmm. the
1: freedom of speech, right. the freedom to think for yourself. I um, when I think back to to my culture and what has become of my culture, it it's so tragic because. People have to become duplicitous in order to survive. They have to become another person that they are not. They're not free to be themselves. They're not free to think. They're not free to uh, speak their mind. And that is one of the greatest oppressions that human can suffer, is to not be yourself. Right. And we are free to do that here in this country.
0: Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. All right, welcome to another edition of American Potential. Appreciate you joining us. You know, America is an amazing place. It's a very special place, and those of us who've lived here a long time sometimes take it for granted. And we need to be reminded of how great it is. You know, many Americans just take liberty and freedom for granted. In fact, I'd say most Americans wouldn't give a second thought when they turn on a water faucet or turn on a light switch because running water and electricity is always there. But, you know, in a socialist country, that's a luxury. And being able to go to the grocery store and buy as much food as you need that's not the norm in other places in America but we take it for we take it for granted in America. Food ration cards and being sent to prison for having more food than you were allowed was the reality in that today's guest survived in Cuba. For her family, life wasn't about living but just about surviving in a socialist country. Her father, who is a pastor was sent to a maximum security prison for four years for preaching the gospel. But that didn't stop him from sharing his faith to the other inmates. And because freedom and liberty can't be extinguished in the hearts of those who yearn for it, no matter how terrible a despot or a dictator is. Now, because her father was in prison, this meant her family was an outcast and the community wouldn't help them but with help from a well-known person her father was released from prison but exiled from their home country this allowed them to seek asylum in america this is an important story for every american to hear and remember this incredible blessing of freedom and liberty that we that we have breathe it in enjoy it savor it and defend it because our guest has experienced socialism. She believes it's important for her friends, neighbors, and fellow citizens to be involved in the political process. And that is why she is educating her community to do so. I want to welcome Grace Cabrera, a lover of freedom, liberty, and a lover of America, to the show. Hi, Grace. How are you? I'm great. How are you? You know, I'm doing awesome. Uh, I mean, I I really think people take it for granted when, you know, I was born in America, have lived here my whole life. I love America. I see the blessings. I value the Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, the Bill of Rights, all those things. But I do think that Americans who were born here, we just take that stuff for granted. And uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And you being born in Cuba, I'm sure it's a little more fresh in your mind how bad it can be without those blessings.
1: It definitely is. And that was such a great introduction. I don't think I could have said it better. Um, I love the fervor in it and um, it reflects how I feel. I was was born in Cuba. My parents were born in Cuba as well. And um, I didn't know any better the whole time that I lived there. I didn't realize how oppressed I was. I knew I was oppressed, but I didn't realize the level of oppression until I finally uh, got to escape and come to a country like this one.
0: So I think that people, it's interesting that you say you didn't know how oppressed you were. And I think, you know, it's like the reverse of of what happens in America. Sometimes we don't know how blessed we are because we take it for granted. It's what we're used to. But you're saying that, you know, when you were in Cuba, that's what you were used to. You didn't know what life would be like somewhere else. Um, that That's interesting. I guess I'd never thought about it that way um, before. Y- any thoughts on, on that and the, the comparison there?
1: Well, uh, when you're born in a place that is closed off to the rest of the world and the information that comes through is, heavily censored and modified before it gets to you, then it makes it very difficult to, to really know what's out there. In Cuba, we were told that the rest of the world was in shambles and there was war everywhere and violence everywhere. And it was just terrible. While um, in my daily life, I saw even worse things. But I Didn't have a way to compare it until after I came here. In Cuba, there are no classes. Everyone is under the same oppression, under the same necessities, under the same starvation, uh, the lack of opportunities. It doesn't matter whether you study hard, um, there is no advancement. So there is no uh, really, there is no motivation to to do much with your life. And that makes it very difficult for the youth.
0: Yeah. Well, they talk about uh, socialism being the equal sharing of misery. And uh, it sounds, sounds like that's, that's really what it was. What was, your, what was your everyday, ordinary day like for you in Cuba?
1: Well, um, since I was so young, uh, I had to go to school every day uh, my breakfast consisted of the rationed uh, roll of bread um every day that we had bought the previous day even though the food was already rationed, my mom had to ration even more in order for us to be able to have breakfast or have a little bit of food for the next day. uh That was the constant struggle the war the everyday worry is what are you going to eat today, and that's what you're thinking about constantly. And uh, once I would get to school, of course, we were heavily indoctrinated. We were told that the United States was going to attack at any moment. Um, I see how in the schools in the United States, there are um, tornado drills or fire drills on a regular basis. In Cuba, we didn't have those. What we had were war drills. So they're constantly scaring you into submission. If you are scared of something bigger, then you don't focus so much on what's in front of you and the abuse that you are suffering every day.
0: Wow. That's, uh, you know, again, it's just something that's totally foreign to most people who live in the United States and never grew up under a system uh, like you did. And and you were 11, is that right, when you came to the United States? Yes. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your dad. Uh, what, what was he like while you were growing up?
1: My dad was kind of fearless, which is uh, strange to see in places like that.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, he
1: spoke his mind, uh-huh. <laughs> um, which can easily get you in trouble. Even complaining about the current situation uh, can get you into trouble. But um, my dad got saved. When uh, before I was born, and eventually he became a youth pastor, and he took all that energy he had and started preaching all over the place. He became a youth pastor and started going into the intricate places in the in in that side of our, the country, into the mountains to preach where um, there had never been uh, the word of God. Those places, um, well, the entire country, really, because when Fidel Castro first came in, he did away with all religions. He did away with all the churches, turned many churches into military bases. So many uh, kids of my generation had no idea what the concept of religion was at all, um, what the concept of of God was. Uh, The entire country was atheist and um it it seems kind of surreal but no one had ever heard of those things no one had ever heard of christmas even though before the revolution it was the it was part of our culture and um having people come and tell you about god and about a purpose it it can be a dangerous thing for any communist regime because When you have um, a faith that individualizes you, you lose the fear of men, and instead you fear God. When you do that, obviously, that makes you a dangerous person in a country like that.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so well put. And, uh, you know, these countries like Cuba are about the collective uh, and about... Power and the government controlling and keeping power over people, and you you talk about individuals, and of course that's what America is based on—the the, the rights of individuals that each of us have, God-given rights as our Declaration of Independence uh, states. So it is really the antithesis to uh, to socialist countries and and what's going on there. So your dad, what a fearless what a fearless uh, man! So what was the government's reaction to your dad being out preaching?
1: Definitely did not go without consequences. We were constantly receiving visits from the local officials. Uh, They would turn our house upside down, take whatever they wanted, uh, give warnings to my dad. There were a couple of times when my dad was exiled from our town for a full year, and we had to travel, which was very difficult to do in Cuba. Um, in order to see him, so um it was a uh, constant stress every time we heard engines coming towards our house, we would obviously become very scared, um run to our parents, and it was a constant state of fear for all of us for everyone in the island because everyone knows better you cannot there are just some things you cannot say, there are some things you cannot do. And uh, this went on until eventually my dad was accused of rebellion against the government when I was six years old. Um, they took him away. I remember the night that they uh, showed up at our house. They turned the house upside down as usual. But this time they, they did take him. And um, we were very scared. My, my mother was afraid because um, she was left with three children. Uh, On her own, one of them was 21 days old, my youngest brother. And uh, the trials started for my dad, but they never ended. They just put him in a maximum security prison and uh, sentenced him 8 to 20 plus years for rebellion against the government.
0: And the rebellion was was preaching the gospel? Was that the rebellion?
1: Uh, Of course they don't. Uh, have that in writing. Sure. But um, they their purpose is to turn uh, people like my dad into common criminals. Yeah. So they come up with false charges like he was gathering people in the mountains to go against the revolution um, and they find false witnesses to testify. Right. But even that is unnecessary. Sometimes they just do whatever they want because they have all the power there.
0: Yeah, it's it's really amazing. I mean, your dad, what what a what an amazing spirit he he had through this time for sure. Because most people, when they get confronted with that, and we see it here. I mean, we see it with people who get pushback or criticized a little bit, and they're willing to back off because they don't want. Somebody, maybe somebody, even on social media, to criticize them. Your dad pushed forward with what he believed was right, even in the face of the government coming in and, and imprisoning him. I mean, that that takes courage beyond courage. I mean, your dad was a very courageous man for for being able to do this. As is, you know, Alexander Sholtsenitsin in 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 the old Soviet Union, or anyone who stands up against these tyrannical uh, despots around the world?
1: I can confidently say that my dad is my hero. Yeah. I, I really admire everything that I saw of him. Um, when he was in prison, uh, these types of prisons were designed um, by the Soviets, and they were uh, designed to break a man after two years. And everything was carefully selected. the The colors of the walls, um, the lack of windows, the lack of sunlight. Um, the lights were turned on uh, were on twenty four seven, so they they didn't have a notion of uh, day and night for many hours. And uh, they they had twenty four people together in a cell uh, for for most of the the floors. So they put him in with uh, some of the worst, murderers, rapists, uh, some of the worst of the society over there. And uh, my dad did what he knew how to do. He started talking to them about God, and eventually they were having Sunday services after a few years. <laughs>
0: uh, but the government <laughs> loves that. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> well, that's...
1: Every time.
0: Go, I'm go sorry. Ahead. No, go ahead.
1: Every Every time they um, they saw that this was happening, they kept trying to find worse and worse cells to put him into. But the same thing would uh, continue to happen. A lot more people would become saved. Um, there were some prisoners who were sent to hurt my dad physically uh, or to steal from him. And a lot of them repented and and started protecting him from
0: others. Wow. Wow. That's a, that's incredible. So how did I, I just have to, I guess, ask this question too. Like, how did your family feel going through this? Cause you know, it, it would have been easier in some ways to just say, you know what? We don't want this fight. I mean, I, I realized that would have been turning your, your back on, on your faith and God and things like that. And that's probably not something that wasn't considered, but So, a lot of people would consider that. I mean, this this made life much more difficult, certainly for your dad, but also for you, for your family. I would assume it got far worse for you once your dad was in prison.
1: It really did. And um, during that time, it was also uh, Cuba was already in dire conditions, uh, but the Soviet Union fell in the late 80s. And, um, Cuba was a type of parasite to the Soviet Union until it fell. And once they lost that support, things became even worse for the country. So it was very difficult to find food or to find anything at all. Um, And the government made it worse by imposing insane uh, regulations on the people, such as not being able to carry more than four pounds of anything edible or you'd go to prison because then that would be considered hoarding and only the government was allowed to have food and sell. Um, So it was very difficult times. My mom had to risk going to prison by picking up coffee in the mountains uh, and selling it in the capital in Havana. And those, uh, those trips are very difficult as well if she would have been caught she would have gone to prison as well but that was the only way she could um survive and and be able to feed us
0: this is going to be a personal rant so disregard this grace for a minute but if you're listening to this as an american right now i mean are you you hearing this this is how good you have it for people who want to criticize the united states and you know the united states is not perfect by any means but are you listening to what people around the world go through? And we complain if our if our cell phone doesn't work or if we don't have you know unlimited minutes on our calling plan. This is truly what other people around the world go through. To this day, there are people who live this kind of a life around the world, and so Americans have to be uh, take take a moment to sit and think about this and 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 pause, Grace. So you're a young girl, sounds like from like six until, until you were 11 and left. Um, this has to be a very difficult time for you, right? Thinking, I'm looking at this through an adult's eyes and you can rationalize it. But to a kid, it must have been really very difficult to understand this and what your dad was going through and why he was going through it. How did that shape you, I guess, as a person, your faith? I'd, I'd love to hear that.
1: Sure. Uh, I had to grow up very quickly. I had to be uh, very conscious of my mom's efforts. Um, I had to help take care of my baby brother and make sure that I wasn't wasting anything. Everything was extremely valuable. Every little thing um, had to be taken care of because you had no idea if you were going to be able to get anything at all uh, a cup a spoon um a, a clothes everything was extremely precious and and then seeing my mom go through all that work coming home scratched up from uh, the woods because she had to um she had to cook with wood every single day it, it was it was hard um i missed my dad and um it it was just a terrible situation but um we had to heavily rely on god and the miracles um just when we were at the end of our rope uh someone would come through and and help us but we just had to have a lot of faith through that uh-huh.
0: Those times, I'm sure your I'm sure your faith grew tremendously through that time because that's when people's faith I think does grow when they go through difficult situations like that. That's that's really an incredible story. Now, so your your father was in prison, never stopped sharing his faith, as you said, uh, throughout that, <laughs> uh, which is just amazing. Uh, Pope John Paul II played a role in your family's story. Tell me about that.
1: Well, um, uh, during four years of my dad's imprisonment, my mother was uh, taking information uh, from other political prisoners in my dad's case and taking it to the embassies, the European embassies in Havana. That information made it to human rights organizations around the world, and eventually it made it to the Pope. In '98, when the Pope went to Cuba, he had a list of 300 political prisoners whose cases um, he had reviewed, and he was asking for the freedom of those 300 political prisoners. Out of those 300, only 150 were released. And the condition was that they leave the country immediately. And my dad was one of them.
0: Wow. Yeah. So the, he was released and allowed to get uh, to come to the United States and ask for political asylum here. Is that right?
1: Yes. Since several countries were aware of, um, of uh, this list. Uh, Several countries had offered asylum, and one of them was the U.S. Uh, So we uh, chose to come to the U.S.
0: Yeah. So I would imagine, so what was the biggest shock when you came to America? I've heard immigrants talk about this a lot, and I always love these stories. Like, sometimes they'll say... (laughs) I went into a Walmart and I just couldn't believe. And again, that's something Americans take for granted every day. I mean, we just walk into a Walmart and you expect everything to be on the shelves. But people see that and they go, there wasn't one type of, you know, of, of, of milk. There were all kinds of types of milk. I mean, what, what were some of the biggest shocks to you when you first came to the United States?
1: I, I will do my best to to relate the feelings, but it's still not enough. <laughs> um, I, I was um, in awe of, first, there was electricity everywhere. Um, there were standing structures that were not falling apart. <laughs> um, there were actual streets not gravel roads, and I'm, I mean, that to me was beautiful mm-hmm. uh, when I first came here, even though I couldn't figure out how to work the faucets with the, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: But um, just uh, having running water all the time, electricity, uh, was a huge shock. Yeah. And, and having hot and cold water was a luxury sure. to us.
0: Wow. Yeah. And the, again, the first... all of those grace are things that we do every single day. We do those things and we don't think a thing about it in America.
1: Yes. I am extremely grateful. Um, there is no way I can ever be depressed because. If I go back to where I came from and remember where I was, I, I have to be grateful. Right. I, I just have to be grateful to be alive and not only to be alive, but to be here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, America, truly, it's such an extraordinary place uh, to, to, to be able to live. What are, so, what are some of the greatest things about our country today that you recognize and you, and you see people in America maybe take, take for granted?
1: The freedom of speech, mm-hmm. the freedom of speech, right. the freedom to think for yourself. I, um, When I think back to, to my culture and what has become of my culture, it, it's so tragic because people have to become duplicitous in order to survive. They have to become another person that they are not. They're not free to be themselves. They're not free to think. They're not free to uh, speak their mind. And that is one of the greatest oppressions that human can suffer is to not be yourself. Right. And we are free to do that here in this country.
0: Yeah. It's, it's that individualism, right, that our, our founding documents mm-hmm. lay out and that are so wonderful to our system Uh, When you came to the United States, your family was offered assistance. Um, What did your dad say about that?
1: Um, My dad, I have to, uh, I'm really grateful to have had him as a father because he really taught me character. Um, My father was offered six months of uh, Medicaid, uh, of uh, rent paid plus. Cash um, plus food stamp. And after one month, he refused it all and uh, he got a job. And even though we struggled a little bit after that, of course, nothing compared to Cuba. But after having our carts filled with food every single time we went to the grocery store and having everything we could have possibly wanted to eat, which (laughs) to us was the most important thing at the time. we asked him, why Why can't we do that anymore? What, why are we living ourselves now? And he told us that we came to this country to give, not to take away, and that we should be happy and grateful just to be able to be allowed here.
0: Wow. Man, that, that's... Well first of all what a what a great man uh your your father what a great example he, he he has been to you and and I'm sure to your to your whole family that's just in that's an incredible story um if you haven't done it already you should write a book about your dad and your experience I'm just telling you you know seems like a big undertaking but you should do it cuz I'd read the book I'd buy it and I'd read it I can tell you um you, you ran now you you've you feel like giving back right to America and you ran for city council. Unfortunately you lost. Um, why was it important for you to take that step in running for an elected position in the United States?
1: Because um, I see where the, where things are heading. Um, I see where government is overstepping and where they're trying to become the um they're trying to become Big Brother in in many ways, and they want to make people dependent. No country that has ever made people dependent on them has ever been financially successful. On the contrary, they have uh, created a lot more poverty, and there's bubbles inside the U.S. that have demonstrated that the more people depend on you, the more poverty you create. I'm in the business of empowering people of empowering individuals and their creativity and their talent and and to see what their full potential is, um, just by giving them opportunities. All we needed when we came to this country was an opportunity and we took it. We were so shocked to see that in this country there were homeless people um, th- that there was so much poverty because we came with five dollars. Uh, here, and um, we rely on community, and that's more of what we need. We really just need community and relationships. We don't need government handouts. That does not help, and it doesn't help in the long term. So when I see what is happening here, um, how the branches of government are growing, how the local government departments want to expand to take over um housing and and health care and welfare and all these things it it's such a dangerous ideology i've seen it that's what made Cuba what it is today is government promises. you can never trust those
0: yeah wow what a what an amazing story You also helped gather a group of people to go through a grassroots leadership academy through Americans for Prosperity foundation. Why was that important to you?
1: Um, Because um, once again, empowerment, I I want uh, people to take advantage of uh, being, being in a place where they can still have their voice heard. I want them to be, to feel represented and to use the opportunities to to affect government and, and leadership in their communities in a way that I never could have in, in my country.
0: Yeah. What, what an amazing story, Grace. I'm, I'm telling you, we'll have to have you back. I mean, I just think these are stories that we need to, we need to tell and Americans need to hear. So I want to thank you for, 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 the, you know, just your willingness to come on and tell the story, but, for living such an enriched life and sharing it, sharing it with us, um, what what a, what a great story! So thank you.
1: And I do want to let you know that uh, fortunately, my dad has written his experience uh, down, and it's a uh, it's a book called Free Behind Bars. Wow! By Leonardo Cabrera.
0: Okay, I'll tell you what. If you can 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 people buy that book? Can they can they get a hold of it?
1: Yes, yes,
0: they can. It's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Okay. I, the other thing is, if you'll send me the link to that, I'll make sure that we put that in the podcast, uh, the, the link to the podcast, so people can see that and do it. I'm going to go order it and, and read it. I'm excited uh, to do that. That's that's just such a great, what, what a hero. I mean, your father was such a great example, I think, to you uh, th- throughout your whole life. What a, what a great story. And thanks for sharing it with
1: Definitely. Us. Yeah, definitely. It's my pleasure.
0: All right. Thanks, Grace. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You bet. Um, So I would just say this again. There are people who risk their lives in shark infested water. They build rafts and try and float to this country, to the United States of America. And at the same time, we have people who who take all of that for granted, just the little things turning on a, a water faucet and having water come out of it, let alone hot water, as Grace talked about. But think about freedom of speech. Think about freedom of religion. Those, all of those guarantees, the Second Amendment, the, 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 the right to due process, all of the rights, individual rights that are embodied in that Bill of Rights that protect each of us, we take them for granted. We take them for granted, and we shouldn't do that. And it's people like Grace and her dad and these stories that remind us how great this country is and how precious liberty and freedom is. And it's it's only a breath away from extinction. We have to pass that on to future generations. It's important that we do that. So thanks again to Grace for sharing her story and her father's story. Go get that book. Read that book. I'm sure it's just incredible. I'm looking forward Uh, to reading that. And thank you for joining us on another edition of American Potential. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.